Welcome to Spectrum Sanctorum. You're listening to the Captain's Quadrant with Captain Joe Dove, me, where we dive into everything Star Trek. Like, share, and subscribe. Welcome to a very special edition of the Captain's Quadrant. I am your host, Captain Joe Dove, and with me are two wonderful guests for this special edition. Uh, we had the picture before, but let me just show you again. Breaking Barriers and Beyond. This is a special African-American Black History Month edition. And I said, let me get some folks that are like-minded and on TikTok that are just in the Trekverse and are happy to be part of this wonderful episode. So let me introduce you to um, Claudia, Alec, and you are muted. So make sure you, you take the mute off there. Okay. And Philip, uh, welcome both. And then with me is my co-host for this episode, Nita Flores, who you guys know as Nita the Klingon Warrior. And you can follow Claudia at Claudia Alec Love on TikTok. And you can follow Philip at Philip. Uh, 1814. 18, yes, perfect. Mm -hmm. So, thank you guys so much for joining us. So, let's get right into it. We're going to get into the, the, the contributions and the beautiful look of the future for African Americans in Star Trek that Star Trek has portrayed since the 60s all the way to today and beyond. So, that's our beyond part. So, it's a lot of fun. Um, let us kick it off with the 1960s. So there is something wonderful about the 1960s, the style, the the empowerment that we got. We've gotten the civil rights movement. We've gotten our the end of Jim Crow, and we've got proper representation on TV in a lieutenant, not just ensign, lieutenant commander Uhura, and that was portrayed by Nichelle Nichols originally. And there are so many wonderful stories about her and her time there, including a story with Dr. Martin Luther King. But I am going to kick it off with Philip, and let's just hear a couple of your thoughts about her time and your experience with Nichelle Nichols as Uhura in the original series. When I first initially saw her on the ship, I was like, why is that black woman there? Because I'm serious. It's like, you know, because most of the shows I had watched when I was a kid, it was mostly Caucasian people. That was it. Mm -hmm. Or if it was a African American on that show, they were in the lower, like like a lower ranking or something like that. So when she's up there doing her communications and stuff like that, I was like, oh my god, that is like so terrific. But I love in the mirror unit when they went to the mirror universe. Girlfriend was not playing around when she had to go up there, you know, pretend like she's the other girl. And when she needed to get off that get off that bridge and meet the others, she was like, uh-uh. Don't mess with me, Sulu. I'm going to, I'm leaving. <laughs> so she I, I love seeing a good, strong African American, especially a woman of color, to be able to do a role like that. Right. Claudia. 
Mm, well, I think that most science fiction, especially the science fiction from like that that time period, is about colonialism. It's it's mm. trying to tell stories that are working through this trauma and this kind of like sin of what whiteness has done, right? And part of that is imagining a golden future where there are no black people, where the sin is so completely erased that they don't have to think about it. So mm -hmm. literally having a black character, it does two things. It interrupts trying to make colonialism into a nice story, actually. And it also tells all of the black people we're allowed to imagine ourselves into the future. So in my family, my mama made us watch Star Trek. It was nice. part of <laughs> our our like our liberation watching. We yeah, we we had to watch it and it was and it was a black thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Ada? That's wonderful. I love your story, Claudia. Um, you know, the first time I, the first episode I ever watched of Star Trek, uh, I was five. I was watch. I we we watched um, the Trouble with Tribbles, uh. and I saw this woman, and she was so beautiful. And all you hear from behind, my father and my brother sitting in the sofa. I'm sitting in the floor in front of the TV. Um, you know, because back then kids were allowed to be this close to the TV. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the 70s, right? We didn't know any better. And all you hear from them is, wow, she's beautiful. Look at her legs. She's gorgeous. Oh, so I learned to understand that what is beautiful is a black woman. Yes. And when I went to Puerto Rico... Um, I, we moved, I moved to Puerto Rico when I was like, I don't know, about a few months after that, you know, um, I, I was just turning six and I met my Afro-Latinos um, cousins who looked just like her. My first thought was, wow, they're beautiful. So I never had the sense that even though as I grew older, you kind of understood the colorism of, yeah, you know, white is beautiful, everything else is not. I had had this influence or this infusion um, that beauty was this beautiful black woman, this woman of color. She wasn't light-skinned. She was just so gorgeous. And she was talented and she was in command. She gave orders. People listened to her. Um, you know, she was admired, not just on the ship, but she was admired by those watching the show around me. Um, I learned to understand and, and see Black women as beautiful. And I learned from them. You know, I learned how to do my hair and, and love my own curls and my own hair because of them. And, and I think that all stems from Oh, that one moment of listening to two men drool a little <laughs> That's great. So for, so for me, the 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 kinship is my mother, uh, the authority figure in my life, looked like Ahura. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she is. Cosmic I know mom. she's going to be watching. Yeah, Cosmic Mom. Hello. Um, <laughs> and it was just wonderful to see. So my grandfather was a one of the first black police lieutenants in the New York uh, Police Department on the Triborough Bridge. And I have always had this authority, even though I, I didn't get to meet him, he had passed before I arrived, but I've always had these pictures of him in this uniform. And I just kind of was like, okay, so grandpa was like Star Trek. So, 
And that's just how I felt. But there's so many things that she managed to do in her time in Star Trek. And unfortunately, she recently passed away. So a very big uh, shout out to her, her and her family for allowing um, the the mantle of her to carry on in, in several different versions. We have Zolzalanda and uh, currently in the Star Trek movies and then the Strange New World show. We got another light of Ahura, which got more into her African roots, which I really appreciated. And um, I'm going to share a picture of on the show where she was able to wear her hairpiece. And of course, behind the scenes <laughs> where you get a nice up close look at how it was all put together. The costume design for Strange New World is, is impeccable. They, they yes. just very good. Yeah. And I love the fact that they picked a woman who resembles her beautiful chocolate complexion. Yeah. You know, that this yeah. is her beauty. That is her beauty. And and it and it's there and you see it. Um and Again, she is maybe, you know, just a trainee ensign, but she is in command because right. she commands those languages like nobody's business. And it's an interesting thing that you said, the commanding of the languages, because initially um, when they were in Star Trek, I want to see Star Trek six, they were tr going into Klingon territory and they were trying to like figure out the communication. So she went and read Klingon books. So I feel like they changed that over time. Yes. They, they did change it, right? Yes, they did. Um, the, in that the movie, series. Too, yeah. Right? Mm, the movie, because she was in the original series, she was someone who had this powerful ability in language. That's how she got that position, right? And in the movie, it kind of contradicted that. Yeah. Um, but I like the fact that they brought it back to the original concept in Strange New Worlds. Well, uh, go ahead, Phil. But that was a funny scene where they're like had these books open and trying to read. <laughs> <laughs> I, <was so laughs> I wish that laugh. <laughs> uh, one of the things that, of course, we we got such a, a big moment, especially after the civil rights movement, uh, was an interracial kiss. The first televised interracial kiss happened in Star Trek. And that was between Uhura and Captain Kirk. I don't remember the episode. I remember watching it. And I always thought that it was like, okay, that's fine. Because my dad's German Portuguese. So I was like, oh, okay, it's just like mom and dad. Who cares? <laughs> but I didn't know the severity and the, the levity of this situation. Mm -hmm. Because that had never, at the time, had never happened before. Because they had kept everything so separate. So this, I thought, was one of the biggest barriers that Star Trek broke. And they later again did it. Uh, in Deep Space Nine, but this is probably the, one of the more telling episodes uh, in history. Uh, what did you guys feel about the kiss? So we'll start with Claudia. It was Plato's stepchildren. Yeah. I love yeah. what yeah. the episode was. And I was like, are those children? It's Plato's stepchildren, actually. Stepchildren. Um, things that I think are interesting about that kiss. It was, it was disallowed from being viewed by a bunch of stations. And one of the ways that you maintain like evil, bad circumstances is by um, just not letting people know that things could be nice, actually. Like literally just the act of having those two human beings kiss and nothing bad happen, that kind of like that endangered some of the most awful political things that they were trying to do in the South. They couldn't let the people see Uhura kiss somebody. That's power. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. Hello. 
when I first saw it, of course, I saw the in reruns. At, when it happened, it wasn't a big thing for me. I didn't, you know, it, I didn't know all the history of it back then. But when I got older and heard stuff like that, I'm like, it's just two people kissing. I wasn't seeing black and white or we shouldn't be, you know, kissing another race. But it, I find it sad that that's what it was like back then. But now it's just, I think we come a little bit, you know, more from ways from that and stuff like that. So, but I thought it was a nice kiss. <laughs> it was sexy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, I like Philip. When I watched it, it was just two people kissing, right? Mm -hmm. um, because in my background, in my family, we've got very fair skin, redheads and very Afro-Latinas, right? And you've got all of the in-between colors. So it wasn't very unusual, but the people that I'm watching this episode with are going, wow, they let that on TV. Can you imagine? And I'm like, why are they so dramatic? It's a kiss. We've seen kisses. I thought they were <laughs> talking about why they're letting people kiss on TV. It wasn't until I got older and realized the significance of that, that kiss. It wasn't about um, the kiss. It was about the color. And I realized in studying, um, and I'm not going to call it Black history. I'm going to call it American history because that is what it is, that during the South, during the 60s, people didn't even get blood transfusions from someone who wasn't of the same race yeah, because they thought they were going to die if they got transfusion from someone who was not white. I know I need a white and not knowing that that is not at all what, what was to be important when it came to that. And so to see two people of different, you know, color skin kiss, it was a huge deal. It was a it was something that was so impactive and it really set the tone. I mean, there was a time where interracial marriages were technically illegal. Yep. And yes. I mean, as even 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 in the like 90s in Africa, apartheid, you know, Trevor it's Noah Lee technically was born under an Ill illegally. He was not supposed to exist. Because his father is white and he was born during the apartheid. And that's really something that is, it blows my mind that Trek was able to fight to get that done. And there was a lot of, you know, executives said, no, you can't do this. And there was some of them, yes, we got to do this. And no, we can't, we can't. And there was a fight. And, and you know, I love the fact that, you know, Gene Roddenberry and Lucio fought for these moments in Star Trek. I love this comment that uh, Claudia shared with us. Charles Drew, a African-American black man, was responsible for blood transfusion. Uh, mm -hmm. and he was the creator of the blood bank. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm so sorry, though. It has a sad ending. Oh, no. He died because he was refused blood transfusions from, wow. white, uh, from white doctors. So American history. It's wild, but I loved you bringing mm -hmm. up the blood transfusions black people are always responsible for visions of the future and and all the good things we have and yeah absolutely heart transfusion was also like a transplant was mm -hmm. yeah yes african-american and he never got credit yeah 
That's right. And that's why it's so important for us to be celebrating these imaginary Black characters in science fiction. Yes. yes. Trying yes. to get rid of our true stories. They don't want us to think good about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yep. So and that's what takes me back to Deep Space Nine when um, Cisco has this vision that the... Um, that the uh, prophets are giving him and he's going back in time as a writer and he's experiencing yeah, we'll this... get into that in the in the yeah in the section so, sorry i'm so excited <laughs> don't jump <laughs> um, so as we fade on out of the 60s I, I you know remember the first time i saw Uhura, and that was in star trek 6 oh beautiful and i love that the fact that they let her um just keep her natural hair yes gray they didn't like dye it dark black or anything like that i, I absolutely adore that and there are a, a litany of many african-american actors that that played in star trek I, yes i believe i got this from uh trek long island who shared this on the internet and i had to uh grab this screenshot because of course we got Whoopi goldberg and Brooks. um we we have so many wonderful characters and actors that have contributed over the years into Star Trek, and you know there's not going to be time to celebrate everybody, but no. as, many, as many in as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. And of course, now this is another uh, Claudia contribution to this episode. Uh, we had no idea; I didn't uh, about a possible spinoff. Yeah, yeah, this is you. So I'm going to let you talk about it. But I'm going to show the picture really quick, and then you can just go ahead and, and tell us more. About it. <laughs> this is you. I, I didn't even know that I am a huge Star Trek fan. So this You're is the one who did the research, though. So right before <laughs> we were talking about the show, I was remembering that in the original series, there was this black actor who played a doctor. And I had in my brain that they had been, they were going to make a spinoff where he was going to be like the leader of the show. And, in the, and the story was he was supposed to go be a doctor with his brother being the captain of like, a healing ship right and, the, USS man, hope. the uss hope yes um and you gave us some text that was that i could have read hope ship sure. was another idea to come out of star trek's uncertain future during tos season two gene roddenberry and writer darling hartman planned a spinoff about a federation hospital ship the uss hope and an attempt to extend the life of the franchise if the network wanted no more of kirk and spock Dr. Mbanga, the Enterprise medical officer who originally stepped in, who occasionally stepped in for McCoy, was intended to be the regular cast member on Hope Ship. And now he's on um, Star, uh, Star Trek New Worlds. Strange New Worlds, yeah. Strange, Strange New, New Worlds, Worlds yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that was awesome. So let us now go into, I guess we could say the present. <laughs> Yes, the continuing exploration is kind of like the uh, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager, where we were treated to the acting delights of um, Michael Dorn as the first Klingon, another barrier broken, the first mm -hmm. Klingon to serve in Starfleet. And Michael Dorn just owned this role. Yes. Uh, we also received the amazing LeVar Burton playing a blind engineer who, yes. who was given a uh, an enhancement to see beyond what normal vision allows he was able to see in different uh i think like uh phases which i thought was fantastic and over time they they en enhanced that ability and he was able to see normally through like a an implant in his eyes and of course we cannot forget to mention captain cisco played by avery brooks who just 
completely won us over with uh, Deep Space Nine. But I want to talk specifically about uh, right now is the contributions and the continued exploration and what they've been doing. I mean, Worf being the first Klingon, so we, we have the alien races, and now we have a, a, an issue now with um, aliens coming in, what's called illegal aliens now, but uh, migrants coming from the South into America. It's almost like, you know, they're an acceptance into a chain of command as well with another species. So how did you guys feel about Worf? Uh, other than he looked good, Nita. Uh, <laughs> okay. And Phil. Um. <laughs> and mom, okay. when you type in. But, uh, uh, well, how did you guys feel about well, Klingon? Because Klingons are always the bad guy in Star Trek. So now we, we, we went into the next generation. We've gone into this universe and we've changed our perspective on the villain. And we've now made him not only a, an ally, but a really awesome with a character with so many levels into that makeup of the character. We'll start off with Phil. What did you think about that? When I was at um, a counter at Farpoint, and when I first saw him, I was like, that's the Klingon. Why is the Klingon on the bridge? What's, you know, what's going on? And I'm like, okay. So, you know, as the series progressed, I was like, I love this character. He is growing. He's showing like the different, aspects of being in a strange world but adapting to it and but also trying to keep his um traditions going also so but um michael doran i love him oh and i remember him from chips he used to be on uh, the show called chips oh, yeah. yes he was i remember handsome man yes yeah mm. i forgot about chips that's a good callback claudia well, all right, you're you're always going to get the dissertation answer from me. So I love it. The Klingons were doing; they were referencing artistic choices that were based on Fu Manchu. So the bad guy in stories was often a Fu Manchu type, and then they were like, "Oh, well, we're going to make the aliens in outer space, and we'll make them a Fu Manchu aliens, right?" And then it was just white people in yellow face, and that's okay. awful. It's correct. Crazy. You go yeah. back, you look at TOS, and you're like, and that's uncomfortable. Yeah. I love that they made choices that kind of fixed it, right? So that you can watch mm -hmm. the um, Deep Space Nine episode where Worf goes back in time and is like, we don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then they brought the original yellow face characters back, Kang Koloff and... Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, they, and, those, and they had the actors get like dramatic modification or yeah, something. They weren't yellow faces like, anymore. Thank God. Exactly. And yeah. I, I felt like that was that was the producers making a choice, a choice to choose a black actor, not a white actor, to kind of balance the scales. You know, it's interesting in the main movies, the Klingons reach these kind of operatic, amazing heights. And when they um made Worf. Worf was a different kind of Klingon because he wasn't raised with the Klingons. Mm. And so he had like the passion, but I don't know. It was, I just think it's very interesting. I think Michael Dorn is an amazing actor. I love Michael Dorn so much, no. um, but also I don't think Worf is black. I don't think of Worf as a black character. Mm. I don't code any of that stuff as blackness. Mm. I don't, the, the, the main writers who wrote for Worf were white writers. Right. So, yeah, thank you. Don't you don't perceive, perceive him as the alien, the, the Klingon. Yeah. yeah, I just saw a Klingon when I was like, mm -hmm. I was about the color. Wow. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, yeah I, I saw, I mean, I've always loved the Klingons. 
-hmm. from the TOS era when they were not Federation allies. Is that why your name's Klingon Warrior? Is that the yes, Klingon one? Warrior Queen. I love the Klingons. I absolutely love the Klingons. Um, but yeah, the color of the Klingons were kind of cringy. And I didn't understand it then. But then as you grow and you learn and your mind expands as things should happen, right? You start to understand that there's something wrong with these characters' appearance. And I love the fact that they change it. I love that in uh, Star Trek Enterprise, they address that change, okay, mm -hmm. for genetic um, uh, augmentation. augmentation. Right. I love the fact that they brought it back up in D Space Nine, as Claudia mentioned. I love the fact that they gave the Klingons um, a more natural look. And no, they're not um, black characters. They're not a race of black um, uh, aliens. I, they're a race of Klingons, you know? Um, and I love the fact that they have their diversities as well, you know? Yeah, the um, yeah they had the albino. Albino was, in fact, a Klingon. You yeah. know, there, there's been a few Klingons in kind of like in the back where you're like, oh, that Klingon's kind of blondish, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's good, right? Because it shows diversity in other species and shows that we're not the only species with diversity and look at what they achieve when they see each other as one race. Yes. And it's funny you mentioned diversity because in the sixties, we didn't get this, but in the eighties movie, we got Tuvok. I'm not sure if the character Tuvok was also in the Excelsior or not, but um, I thought it was exciting to see a dark skinned uh, Vulcan. Yes. Know? In, in the 60s, it was always the Vulcans were a, a light-skinned race. Yeah. And to see Tuvok, and he was just one of many uh, different African-American or, you know, darker-skinned uh, Vulcans. Vulcans. Yeah, absolutely. The darker-skinned Vulcans to come on the scene. And I thought that was great. I thought that they really expanded. And now yes. in in the even in the current series, Discovery, they, they, they do that a little bit more, which is great. And even Robins. Yeah. Uh, and Picard's are, are even a dark skin. But there's another thing that I want to talk about, and that is the the growth of not only acceptance in African Americans in leadership, if we have our chief engineer Jordy LaForge, but disabilities, because you know, his character was blind. And now we have a happenstance where we have a character that technically wouldn't under today's not even today's circumstance. I mean, it's a little bit more accepted today. But during the time of the show, having a disabled person in the workforce was kind of like a, a taboo. So they're breaking another barrier mm -hmm. and not only having an African-American leadership role in engineering, uh, one of the key elements. And he gave that quasi science facts so good that I was like, yeah, that's right. The, 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 the Matrix is going to explode if we don't get that. He's absolutely right. We got to get out of there. So I want to get into a little bit about Jordy because I felt like yes. he was a character that was uh, um, on many levels, just like Worf, uh, breaking a barrier in disabilities and as a leadership role in African-American. We'll start with Claudia this time. Well, it's interesting. I think that they chose to make the character Jordy blind so they could have Jordy talk about issues without it making it about race. We're in the future. So it's supposed to be a post-racial future where okay. that's not supposed to be the sticking point. And so now you've got a character. And as a disabled person, I have a strong belief that uh, folks should be playing themselves by us for us, right? I'm a, so my politics today are, oh, I wish they had 
a blind actor playing a blind character. That said, with the politics as they were at that time, it was such a huge, it was a political act to have Jordy become mm -hmm. the head of engineering. You'll note yes. that they didn't start him off as the head of engineering. He became no. the right. head of engineering. And that's the story for a lot of black characters in Star Trek. They yeah, don't yeah. start as their position of hierarchical authority. We get to watch them earn that. And I do think that that's partially because the producers assume that a white dominant audience needs to be kind of spoon fed into deciding that they that they're going to accept black leadership but we've gotten the best black leaders yeah all right sorry i went off on a tangent <laughs> no it was excellent <laughs> all right nita what would you feel you know, it's, it's absolutely true i mean uh it, it, he didn't start out in a position of leadership, which I always thought he should have, right? Why not? Why? What is? Why? What is the issue? And it's just like Claudia said: some people need to be spoon fed. The white audience needed to be spoon fed at that time, and needed to kind of grow in their acceptance of this amazing character. I mean, he he really dominated that character. He was able. I mean, in that time, you would never see a. a blind engineer and not go wow that guy's blind like yeah. that would have been a surprise right but no one thought of that when they saw him nobody they're like oh, okay hey Jordy, like you guys are cool you know he would take it off like nothing put and it back on those contacts on him and everything yes <laughs> yeah. i mean like, it, this it normalized this individual in the workplace, it normalized people working around him because it's not just that person working, but it's those around you working with you, okay? Because there's a level of acceptance that may not happen. And how that individual handles that lack of acceptance is something that also speaks volumes to how we view um, a disabled individual, right? And I think that the way they interacted with him, especially when he took command and he became the chief engineer, the first thing out of Riker's mouth, he goes, oh, chief engineer. I like the way that sounds. You know, and they made it a point to specifically say that, you know, and to honor that moment. It, because we didn't see when he got promoted. We just kind of got stepped into his promotion. It had already happened. You know, it wasn't like in the movie when Worf got his promotion and there was this big ceremony on the boat. You know, um, that, that didn't happen with him. We sort of got the episode where he was chief engineer, you know, and it was amazing how he dominated that. That's a big role. And that is a hard role in Star Trek. To right, he's, Scotty. he's the Scotty of this. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like yeah. that's the main crew, mm -hmm. and to see that was 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 stellar. Philip, absolutely. Um, like I'm gonna be with pretty much what y'all said, but when he um, it was that episode when um, they went to that planet that was selling weapons, and he was in control of um the Enterprise, and that one guy was trying to tell him what to do and this and that blah blah. And I love when he just finally took command and said, I'm going to do, this is what we're doing. You know, he gave the orders. But, but then he went back to his, you know, his chair sitting in front of the captain. I was like, <laughs> he put him do, doing something. So when they put him in engineer, I was like, oh my God, thank God 
he is shiny, he is doing it, he is, you know, he's telling them, you can't do this, I can do this, give me like one minute, Captain, I'll fix that, you know, he really shined in that part. Oh, he absolutely did, agreed, he shined so much, he really showed his ability to command. Yes, Mm -hmm. and and not only that, the the actor is just a, one of the most sacred people on the planet, like there's always that, I don't know if you guys are into Marvel or not, but there's always that question that goes around on the internet saying, okay, who in society could pick up Thor's hammer? Who's worthy? And mm-hmm. I always say, LeVar Burton. Yes, LeVar he Burton is absolutely would be worthy. He mm-hmm. can withhold, he can uh, get the powers of Thor in my book. He's yes. The, the man. There is nothing that man can't do that he can't do beautifully. Yes. He is an amazing actor. He convinces you that he is that character. Yeah. He I, I, I remember him from Roots. Right. And when he said, my name is Kunta, and he was getting beat, I'm like, but I told my brother, why won't he just say his new name? And he's like, because that's not who he is. Right. And, I, and it, I was little, so I didn't quite grasp, but it took, as I grew and learned and understood, I understood the value of that moment. But I believed him, and when I saw him on the Enterprise, I'm like, oh, my God, Kunta's on the Enterprise. <laughs> like, I, I had a hard time seeing Jordy, it took a while because he embodied those roles, you know? He's an amazing yeah. actor. And he's a good director also. Yes. Now, does anybody else, this is a little bit of a sidebar and I apologize because mm-hmm. I know we're, we have, everybody has things to do, but <laughs> did anybody else feel that he should have been able to direct Nemesis instead of who they got? You're still muted, Claudia. <laughs> the reason I muted is because I just screamed yes so loud. It oh, oh, the recording. Okay. I, because I treat these conversations like church. I don't know if you can see my lips moving, but this entire time I'm like, oh, uh-huh, yeah, oh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I see. That's why I was like, why should you? Star Trek church. Bring it. Yes, yes. Yeah, he, he should have been a great director. He, he also wrote a book, y'all. And I'll be honest, yes. it was not great. Oh. But it was by him, and I read it because he wrote okay. a science fiction book. Come on, LeVar Burton. But also, can I just say, I love every Black actor, every single mm-hmm. Black actor in Star Trek. It's kind of dumb. Like, I feel grateful that they gave the character of Jordy LaForge good character beats. But mm-hmm. I, I even love, like, what poor Travis Scott. Poor, poor, what's his name, Travis Scott? Travis Mayweather? Travis yeah, Mayweather. Mayweather. Yeah, Travis Scott is somebody else. So Travis Mayweather, they didn't give him any anything to mm-hmm. do on mm-hmm. Enterprise, right? right? So, like, one of the dumb projects I do is I write fanfic where I'm like, okay, let's think about Trila Scott. That was like that. That was the she was introduced, and I got y'all. I was so excited about Trial. Do you remember Trila Scott, the the coolest, youngest black? Um, um, uh, she was the youngest black captain. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And they're like, oh, no, like, you got to meet her. Oh, season of this character is going to be awesome. Then cut Mm. to spoiler alert. She's eating bugs. (laughs) (laughs) There's a butt bugs episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing trailer Scott fan fiction. I can't believe that that warped into this conversation. I'm really (laughs) hoping we did not say the word butt bugs. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Well, Claudia, you might not be in on this, but uh, our one of our co-hosts, he believes that the the main protag- uh, antagonist, excuse me, for Star Trek Picard is the conspiracy bugs. Like they came back because they always threatened to come back 
Well, remember lower decks, they refer to them. They're lower decks, they refer to them as butt bugs. So we are now gone with that joke. Yeah, over and over again. Oh my goodness. Well, that's just me going off on, I love, I love Jordi LaForge. But there's all of these other black characters, like in that time period where we got to see them for like one episode, two episodes, that I also loved too. Right, like one of my favorites was the Maquis leader. The original. Oh, yes. Yeah. The one who started it all. He started it all, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Causing trouble. Unfortunately, they made him like a throwaway character because they didn't, mm-hmm. I don't think they completed the arc. But uh, now that we're going into Deep Space Nine, let us get into the captain who became a god. Yes. Benjamin. Yeah. Yes. I, I remember when they first brought him in like this and he had his hair, he had the little goatee. And um, actually, he had no goatee when he first started because he claimed. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he was commander. There's yeah. a whole story behind his look. You guys yeah. know that, okay? The Sorry, story no, is tell us, tell us, okay, because he, 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 he was Hawk. Right. And he had a goatee and a shaved head. And the um, director said, the thing is, if we bring you on looking that way, they're going to keep referencing you as this other character and we want to bring you out of that and give you a whole new look and he wanted to stay bald with the goatee um i think we can all agree delicioso but eventually he got his way yeah because yeah he did he did get back the look that is so classic Cisco. Classic, sexy Cisco. Oh, very, <laughs> very sexy Cisco. Yes. So, uh, Claudia, what are you? How do you? What are your feelings on Captain uh, Wormhole um, God Cisco? <laughs> I think I think Avery Brooks understood the assignment. Yes. Like, in a fundamental way that, in some ways, I think destroyed his life. I think he oh. understood the weight and the importance of that black male character and Mm -hmm. what that, and all of the white supremacist mythologies that that character had to fight against. Mm -hmm. Um, I do not envy Avery Brooks in the job that he had um, being on the show where he was not treated with the same level of respect um, and, and authority (laughs) as a Patrick Stewart. They were, they were, they were treated in a second class way that entire cast, but especially him and the work that he produced, it continues to inspire people. It's powerful. I think like in a racial justice sense, what he did yeah. was historically powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Philip. Well, at first I wasn't a big fan of DS9. I, for some reason, I just could not get into it because it, for me, it was like, station life and I thought it was going to be boring blah 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 so I watched it pretty much toward the end but I missed episodes here and then but I recently started re-watching it again and I'm in love with this show so yeah. much now it's by and far I, my favorite version of Star Trek so I love the relationship he has with his son it oh, is so yeah. beautiful oh my god I just I want to I, well, at yeah. times I cry because I wish I had that kind of relationship with my father Mm. Uh, he is Amy Brooks was like you said the god he was the god yeah he, he became a god in the end of the show um the the thing about Avery Brooks uh one of the 
the the commanding way that he had the voice the the like the stoic nature but then he has this jovial side with cassidy yates that you see when when he falls in love again for the first time in years since the passing of his wife and by the hands of locutus and he gave that's where i, I grabbed this picture because he gave patrick stewart that okay get out now. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly I, I absolutely love that 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 dynamic that they had i wish they would have brought patrick back on once or twice more or given deep space nine a film to kind of go in and mesh with the next generation cast because you still have that animosity and i thought that would have been a cool thing to play with but you know i digress the the other thing about avery brooks is claudia has a really cool story about avery brooks that i can you can you share that or is that no you can't no, yeah, sure, I can. Oh, it's so funny. When I'm having a regular conversation and I mention things, it feels so natural. Then when you're like, Claudia has a really exciting, amazing, I'm like, it's not that interesting. For me, it is, because I like the, the actor. Um, so. Uh, I don't know what, it, what 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 brought it up, but I, I think it was we were talking about Avery Brooks, and I said that I'd met Avery Brooks, and it was a, it was a really beautiful uh, experience. I was in my early twenties working at a Shakespeare theater. We were giving him some kind of gigantic award because he's an amazing actor, so it was like the award for being the best Shakespearean actor of the year or something. And uh, and it was my job to come pick him up from the hotel, bring him to the. We were all dressed in like very fancy, like I was in a like a very fancy, fancy ballroom kind of a dress, right? So it was very fancy. Nice. Took him from his hotel room to the, to the, um, uh, to, to the limo. And, and as I sat there, I was like, I have to admit to you, I am a big fan of your work at Star Trek. And he was like, I understand. I think he was used to like the energy of somebody being like, is this cool? Mm. Oh, I'm being normal. It's nice to meet you. Um, and uh, I was a young actor, so I was asking him advice about you know how to have a career, what to do with my life, what my path was. You know, he asked me. He was like, "What are you doing with yourself?" And at the time, I had a really nice job at a Shakespeare theater doing administration. I wasn't mm -hmm. acting. I wasn't creating arts. I was doing. I was. I was selling theater, and and felt very happy with my job. And he was just like, "So, you want to be acting?" And blah 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 blah. And within a year, I had quit that job, was back to acting, and it started my own theater company. So it was a pretty profound experience. Wow. And, and the and the advice he gave me was after he gave me all this amazing advice, he was like, "You know, who you really need to talk to Andre Bauer." <gasps> oh my goodness! Wow! Did you talk to Andre Bauer? We never crossed paths. Uh. <laughs> Uh, I am completely and now that with envy. Yeah, that is awesome. See, thank you for sharing that story. That is amazing. that is beautiful. I, I'm completely green with envy, by the way. Okay. <laughs> um, yes. Well, you know, Deep Space Nine was a very special place for me. First of all, like Philip, I wasn't so keen when I heard, "Oh yeah, black actor, a black captain, yay!" And then they have a space station. I'm like, but that's not Star Trek. Star Trek is supposed to be in a spaceship, right, floating around. And and then I was like, but it's Star Trek. I have to kind of watch. Right, mm -hmm. and this beautiful man <laughs> comes on the scene, and there's talk about religion. And the first time you hear about religion, I grew up very religious, so I never saw that part of my life represented in Star Trek, but I didn't care because Star Trek was so awesome, right? And I didn't realize how important, although not a religious person, um, 
anymore how important having that representation actually was. And it was it was just D-Space 9 really really gave diversity. You had a brown doctor. You had a brown captain. Yes. I mean, the diversity of religion, the diversity of women in charge. You know, um, you see so much growth in, in, in characters. But what I loved about Cisco was that he, no one balances life and work like him. He was a a leader, a mentor, and a father. And he did it all so well, but he did it with challenges. You know, he loved his wife. He was dedicated and supportive. When he met Cassidy, he was very, "Mm, I don't know about this. And his son is pushing him. And then he realizes she's worth the wait when she goes to prison for being involved with the Maquis. And you see a, a type of individual and, and that, you know, this is what the black man is, but we don't get to see that part of black men on TV and movies. We get to see the gangster. We get mm. to see the, you know, I can see Turner story, unfortunately, of a man beating on his wife. You know, we see these negative things of drugs and this and that we don't see this beautiful black man that is loving and kind and a good father and i happen to know many of them and it's sad that more characters like cisco has not been written in and i'm so happy that as a trekkie we can say we are part of changing that image Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's one last thing I want to share. And I don't know, maybe Claudia knows or or Philip, I'm not sure. I I know I told Nita, so she knows this. Mm -hmm. Bless you, Claudia. Good thing you're muted, right? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, one of the things that they were planning on as they expanded into a possible eighth season, if they weren't going to end at seven and be a standout on its own because the ratings had picked up due to the Dominion War, Mm -hmm. they were going to give uh, Captain Cisco, his own ship. And it's one of the things that I have behind me, and that's the wrong hand. That's the ship. And the name of that ship was actually the USS Emmett Till. So here's a close, closer look of it. That, <gasps> Lovely. That would have been the ship. Yeah. And that's something, yeah, that's something unfortunately we never got to experience. But uh, when I did get to meet Steve and I Robert, he, he talked about that in the documentary, What We Leave Behind. And I, I thought the ship looked cool, and I thought the premise would have been would have been awesome. And uh, that's going to take us into the future. I feel like the future is safe, and that's because of what we see with Star Trek Discovery and Picard. Uh, Picard is set beyond the next generation, which and all of these things are our future, but. It's interesting how they develop our characters and us in the, I think it's the 25th century, because they skipped 900 years. And it's exciting to see representation in a new light, because they have brought us a character of Michael Burnham. <gasps> and I absolutely adore this character. I love Star Trek Discovery, the ultimate diversity. I really think that ship is cool. And you can see elements of the Emmett Till in the ship of Star Trek Discovery uh, if you look closely. But uh, I'd like to know what you guys feel about Michael Burnham, Discovery, and where we're going in the future for actors and Star Trek. So we'll start with Phil. 
I love her. I love the fact they didn't start her off as a captain, but she worked her way up to it and earned it. I love that. And I'm sorry, the wig for the I think the first or second season, I didn't like those wigs, but I yeah. love I love the braids now. But also yeah. I also want her just to wear her real natural you know what she dyed the blonde hair when you see her out. I love oh, that. She yeah, yeah. So, she I may be gay, but she is hot. She, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. She is beautiful. Yeah. And I love that she fell in love with a man and a another man of color and they were showing the relationship and everything and how they were going up, you know, ups and downs and stuff like that. It was beautiful. I love it. Yeah. I love her. Nita. Uh I love Captain uh Burnett. I think Michael Burnett, I think she is an amazing actress, first of all. She can take any character and own it. Um, I think that she's a beautiful representation. Uh, we have not had the Uhura level of representation. Um, and there have been many beautiful black women and black men on Star Trek, but never to that capacity until Burnham. And I don't know that she realizes um, those shoes that she's filling in for us. And she is so natural and she's beautiful. Um, and she's authoritative. Um, and she just brings a range, you know, uh, you know, and she really speaks to people who are another representation, adoption, right? Because she lost her parents yeah. and she was raised by people by who were not one Vulcan and one human. And the human was a white woman, right? And yet she had to find her own place um, because I don't care how far off in the future we are. We as people of color will always have to find that identity as people of color um, in the things that we do and the things that we carry. Um, and I think that finding her humanity, finding her identity, finding her who she is, right? Mm -hmm. As a person was something that she would struggle with. Um, I love the fact that when uh, they you show the picture with her braids and that when she's captain, she has braids. Because I really, I really passionately need to talk about this. Okay, I may cry. Um, and y'all are going to have to deal with it. Uh, but hair for, hair for women is not just hair. Okay, it is an identity, it is cultural, um, and braids uh, for the African-American community and women is more than just braids, okay? Uh, it was used during um, uh, slave time to, to, to show a path so that people knew how to escape slavery, okay? They, it's like a map, right, of history. Um, and they, for many years, if I grew up in the 80s, I know um, how Black women with braids were perceived. You know, they were considered ghetto. They were considered dirty. They were considered everything but professional. Um, and they're just braids for crying out loud, right? They're, they're, they're not hurting you. What is happening? You know, it's not your hair. Let her comb it. It's properly combed. Her level of education isn't changed because her hairstyle is different. You know who she is as a human being? Is she kind? Is she mean? Is she nice? None of that is affected by her hair. 
hair? Why is it that she cannot express herself, you know, with her hair? And in the 60s, we saw that movement with that natural growth of hair happening because they were told they had to look like their white female counterparts. Nothing wrong with these white women. They're, They're beautiful. But they are not black women and don't have black hair. And the 60s came and liberated that, you know. Um, and here we see this beautiful actress in braids, in command. I absolutely was floored by that moment in, in Discovery when I saw that. I... I I said, we have come full circle as people of color. Claudia. Oh, I love that so much, Nita. Now, thinking about Star Trek Discovery, thinking about Michael Burnham, you know that I'm obsessed. We literally have a show called Trek Table Podcast that's only about Discovery. It doesn't talk about perfect. anything else. And like, we will talk for two hours about one episode. It's intense. Nice. The podcast. It's a it's a different experience than this, and it's because we um we thought that it was significant culturally, but also that show opened up a space for us to have conversations and reflections yeah. that we actually weren't able to have with with other shows. So that was really special. I was thinking about the casting of because we were talking about this before before we were recording the casting of Cisco and the actors that they thought about casting because they thought about casting Tony Todd they thought about uh casting uh, Alexander Sadig Alexander Sadig and again I think that's it's very like most people don't think of Alexander Sadig as a black man he's a black man his yes. his mother is black and 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 he, he generally is, is at the black and Arab, um, and he's mixed. So he's mostly playing Arab characters, but he's black. Um, I think Which I didn't know, and I, I absolutely adore the actor because when he was in Game of Thrones and when he was in um, the the Conquest movie, there was a a, a, oh, yeah. a period piece, yeah, where he was the king. He was the the Sultan. Yes. Or the general for the Sultan, and then I always, you know instantly recognize him as that and I didn't know that that was and I'm learning something and I love it so thank you and, <laughs> and it makes me it just makes me wonder what was the casting pool for Michael Burnham because I haven't mm -hmm. thought about it just this day y'all gave me a brand new Star Trek idea which was mm -hmm. oh Captain Cisco was supposed to be black he was always right. supposed to be black he was a black captain and that's Correct. different writing a black captain in the future is doing a different thing than just writing any old captain like Captain right. Archer, yeah, whatever, Captain Archer. But Captain Cisco is an act. Michael Burnham making the character of Michael Burnham is a powerful act of anti-racism. Yes. And, and shifting shifting the tables of storytelling um, for dominant culture. So so I'm a big fan of the character Michael Burnham and also Awosakun and, and just all of the characters on that show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. got some good hair too. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and then there's another character that we think of fondly in the future, and that's Raffi. Um, yes. I I love I her. I love her. I think she's absolutely stunning. I love her hair, and I love her demeanor. She's that that part of Star Trek and part of society where we have both ends of the spectrum. She's a commander. She's a leader. She's also a mother, and she also has her issues. So I, I wasn't very thrilled that they brought in these issues for her, but um, I understand it because you want a, a, a more diversity um, aspect 
you want to see, okay, everybody that we normally had is prim and proper and nobody's had any real, real issues. Mm -hmm. Now here's a character that you can, rep you know, you can see yourself in because she has these issues. She has addiction issues. She has parenting issues. She has all of these issues. And I thought that was interesting that that would translate into the future. So this is our last section and our last character that we're going to be talking about on this episode. And I appreciate everybody coming on and joining us into this spray yes. of Black History Month. And I know my mom's going to be super excited to see this episode. I oh, can I just say his mom gave us our title today? Yes, that's so right. So I want to say thank you to Cosmic Mom. Yes. Uh, Joe and I were going back and forth to, well, what are we naming this? Back and forth, back and forth. And, and he said, I should ask my mom. I said, of course you should. And she came up with the title. Yeah. So big shout out to my mom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Cosmic yeah. mom rules. Yes, yes. So let's get into Rafi as we wrap up. We're going to start with Nita this time. I love her. First of all, I've loved her since she was on uh, SVU, uh, you know, Special Victims. And yeah, yeah. she <laughs> was on there and I loved her character. Um, I love her acting. And when she, when it was announced, you know, the cast of Star Trek Picard, and she was going to be on. I was very excited to see what was going to happen. Um, like Joe, I wasn't super thrilled that they gave her an addiction because I think that um, as a woman of color, uh, the whole addiction thing kind of comes up wrong. <laughs> However, I think that it also, on the other hand, kind of makes sense, right? Because you want to introduce characters in Star Trek that you can relate to. And no, not everybody in the future is perfect. There are going to be some issues and things. And I think that it's heard better visually if it's played by a person of color. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but I think that people who are struggling like her can see her character, can see her strength, can see her growth and can say, she's struggling. I got this. I'm struggling. It's going to be okay. And you they know? see her overcome those struggles. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, absolutely. I, I, I don't think you saw the episode, so I'm not going to get into too much of it, but mm -hmm. she overcame those struggles. Okay. Claudia yes. I, I, specifically, because yes. I don't think you finished that one. So well, let's go with Claudia. Let's hear your thoughts on Raffi. Fan of the actress, was excited when she was cast, was bummed they had her playing a human. I just feel like she's got like a really interesting look and would make an amazing alien. Like, I feel like she'd be a really cool Vulcan. Um, and also I feel like that would be against her, the type that she usually plays. So they have her in a character that's like kind of playing to her strengths. So right. I like it. I loved the, I don't know if y'all are nerdy like me, but I will take any piece of Star Trek uh, product that they create. So there was like a period of time where I was hungry for some Star Trek and they gave me an audio book, an audio book of the adventures of Seven of Nine and Raffi in between season, I guess, one and two of Picard. Oh, oh I must get that. fun and you should totally get it, even though I think Amazon is bad and I'm against them, but Audible is where you can get that. And it was really fun and I enjoyed it a lot. So I love the character Rafi. I'm in full agreement though that the storytelling choices that they made, it's 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 complicated because she's a good actress, and that's what makes that character interesting. That the character has flaws and struggles. I'm just annoyed that they gave the character the stereotypic flaws and struggles that they often layer on to black female characters. I'm like, oh, those are less interesting choices for me, but the actress is playing them 
and mm-hmm. it's, it's she's she's doing an awesome job. She yeah. is, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, love her on SVU. Um, but like Nina said, it, for me, sometimes it's good to see a person of color going through a, a struggle because I suffer from depression, and every day I try, I'm trying to constantly hold myself together, and she's doing the same thing, trying to hold herself together, but she keeps falling back, but she keeps getting back up and going, and that's what I need to see, and that that like she's going to overcome her problems and stuff like that. I love her. She's like I said, and that's for you. I love doing that. And this show, she was, she is extraordinary. Um, I felt so bad for her in the second season when we lost, um, at the beginning of the season, we lost, um, what's the? Eleanor. Um, Eleanor. Yeah, yeah. She, she really connected with it. Heartbroken. I, I can feel it. I can feel her pain. That's how good an actor she, actor, actress she is. I felt that pain. She is very good. I love it. Mm-hmm. But if you remember, Eleanor and her son would be about the same age. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the case. So she, she sees her son in him. Right. You know, and I think like either she's awoken or, or Romulan, the daughter-in-law. Huh. So oh. she sees that. She sees that in her future generation. Yeah, her grandson then. Granddaughter, isn't that a daughter? Yeah, I think it's a granddaughter. Okay, well, grandchild. Let's just Mm -hmm. do that. Let's do that. Let's not gender the court. Yeah, let's not. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, and I think that she really connected with Elno because she saw the opportunity that was taken from her, and I truly believe that her parenting of. was taken from her because they never gave her the opportunity to overcome her um, addictions and heal and grow and say, you know what? I'm a better person now. Now let me parent my child. Um, I think that they just dismissed her. And I think that that happens so often. And I I know this because I'm in social services and I see the struggle that, that women in addiction go through to get their kids back, you know? And when you don't have supportive family that says, okay, we really see that you're meeting all your goals and you're, you know, let's get you back into the lives of these children. Um, it's, it can be a struggle if you don't have support. You know, a lot of times we um, identify someone and say, okay, you know what, Claudia, she's an activist, boom, that's all she is. Is she? No, she is a complex human being. She is more than that. You know, she's loving, she's a daughter, you know, she's she's a friend. Um, she is a hundred different things in one. We are not our labels. We are just people. And I think that we see this dynamic going on. She goes, you know, to this bar to see the ex-husband and she's laying it out. This guy is not exactly. Oh, don't forget. Oh, she oh she didn't say anything. I'm going to stop right there. Yeah, stop right stop there. Abort, abort, abort. Abort, mission. Let her learn. I'm on the airlock now. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, no, we know, we know. Trust uh, me. What's up, Philip? I'll forget after we turn this off. That's right. They both have been. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to watch the show when you uh, when you guys are done with the episode, come back and watch our after show. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but thank you guys so much. We are going to wrap this up. I think this yes. is a great look into the expanse of Star Trek, expanding the expectations of our own visions of ourselves. 
in the Breaking Barriers and Beyond. This was so fantastic. I just want to spend a special moment to thank Philip and be sure to follow him on TikTok on Philip1814, right? Right? Yes. And be sure to follow Claudia, and she is Claudia Alec Love. Uh, be sure to follow. She's got so much energy. These two are fantastic. They I have great content. Both of your content. Is yes. Extraordinary. And I really appreciate the time you gave to the Captain's Quadrant. And be sure to come back next Thursday for the Star Trek Picard Episode 3 uh, after show, where we will also be playing our Name That Trek episode. Yes, it's said. <laughs> that's, that's how it's said. <laughs> that's how it's said. Uh, where we will be showing a, a clip of Star Trek, and you have to figure out what episode. And if you're even better, you can figure out what season and what number of episode. You will win a prize from our beautiful merch store. Yes, T-shirts, mugs, mm-hmm. water cups. Yes, I remember, you, uh, our, uh, the guests will be assigned to one of the hosts. Right. And if that host wins, then whoever's assigned to you ends up winning the prize. Yes. So that's going to wrap it up. Nita, thank you again for coming up with the brainchild of this episode. <laughs> Believe it or not, it wasn't me. <laughs> I don't know why, what happened there. Uh-huh. But uh, I thank you for that. And we're going to say live long and prosper. And we will see you next Thursday.